0: You're listening to the City Church Tallahassee podcast. For more information about City Church, please visit us online at citychurchtallahassee.com. That is tonight at 5 and 7 o'clock. Hope you'll tune in uh, from your home, from your screen, and uh, be a part of our Christmas special tonight. My name is Dean. I'm the pastor here at Seher City Church. Thanks for making us part of your Sunday. A couple quick things before we jump into our Home uh, for Christmas series. Uh, Ashlyn mentioned earlier our missionaries, Jen and Craig Stewart in Berlin. Uh, Craig, this is a huge answer to Something for our church to celebrate. Uh, Craig's been working on his German for two years. I mean, they're in Berlin. Craig, I think, had been there one time really quick before, so no German context Uh, This morning he was able, uh, on their time, he was able to preach his first ever sermon in German at church. Isn't that awesome? you like, be able to do that, which is so great. Uh, so, the, so the gospel, the gospels, I was, I was messaging with him before the service started, and the gospel goes going out and God's using them, uh, so what an awesome thing. Uh, this is also uh, the last Sunday uh, for Ryan and Brittany McCraw. Uh, Ryan has served as our production director, so anything behind the scenes uh, that you see happen here, uh, he has done for a long time uh, as a staff member, making the service happen, what you see online happen, so many things, uh, and Brittany's been a member here for a long time, served here for a long time. Uh, they're moving to Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, They're going to be missed here. They've contributed a ton to this church over the years, and uh, we're really thankful. I know Brittany's here. I think Ryan's probably back working. Brittany, we just wave to everybody. Thank you all for having you served here. We're going to miss you all very much, and we're we're grateful for you all, and and we know that the Lord is going to use you in Knoxville, definitely. So let's pray together, then we'll jump in. Father, we are grateful for your word that you've given it to us, and we get to open it and read it and hear it. What a privilege it is to have the actual words of our God. We are just grateful for Craig and Jen and their family in Berlin and how you've just allowed them to learn the language quickly and for the chance for him to preach in the language this morning. What an awesome thing. Uh, We praise you for that and ask you just for more ministry for them as well as our other missionaries in the three different continents where they are right now from our church. We ask more people from our church will be sent to the nations to take the good news. We also pray for Ryan and Brittany. We're thankful for them. We ask for a smooth transition to Knoxville. And we just ask uh, that you bless their family and their new home, and we're just grateful for all they've done here. We ask to be all the churches in our city as they gather today. Uh, we ask that the things that I say will not be of my opinion, uh, but of your word, and that will point people to Jesus, the one who loves us while we were sinners, that Christ died for us. We rejoice in that, in the name of Jesus, amen. So, here's some good news for you to put on the screen. uh, Good news in the gospel of Jesus Christ. What God did when He sent His Son into the world, so what we call Christmas, what God did is an absolute guarantee that He will do everything He has ever promised to do. Now, God never promised us that He would give us a life of ease, God never promised us that we would be healthy, God never promised us we'd be wealthy. God never promised us that everything would work out as we want it to. God never promised us a certain family situation, a certain family dynamic, a certain house, a certain dream. It's okay to pursue all those things. It's okay to ask God for all those things. He never promised us any of those things. What God has promised us is himself. What he's promised us is a relationship with him that's accessible through the death of Jesus Christ. What he's promised us is that a people will be redeemed, that a people will be reconciled to himself, that sinners will be made clean, declared not guilty. The people who are dead in their sins will be made alive. And he's promised us that eternity is a real place where real people go. Here's Mary, she's found out she's pregnant. The angel has told her exactly what's going to happen. Who this baby is. I can't imagine what it had been like in her mind during this season. Season's an understatement. Here she is pregnant with the Messiah that has been promised uh, for generations and generations. And Mary, in celebrating this and really worshiping God for this news and what she was going to be a part of, here's what she said in Luke chapter 1. We're going to look at kind of two main verses today to help us see exactly how even just these two verses from Mary help us make sense of the entire Christmas story. Here's what she said, he has helped his servant Israel, she's referring to God, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. I want to read that one more time because it's just so important. And I'm going to explain it and we're going to make sense of it today. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham, and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. You see, Christmas is the supreme example of fulfilled prophecy. As in promises that are made, predictions that are made, and actually that come true and happen. Christmas is, we could say, the example A of this. Like the varsity level fulfillment of God's faithfulness to his people. And Mary here in Luke chapter one, she understands that. She she gets it. Because when the angel communicated to her, she understands the magnitude of this. That God had promised for generations that one day a Messiah would come and then now it's actually going to happen. Here's what Jesus said as an adult already in his ministry in John chapter eight. He said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. But what did he see? He saw the promise to come. He saw what was waiting. See, Mary, right here in that small text from Luke, gives us a summary of the whole Old Testament. She basically breaks down the entire Old Testament in just two lines that all of us, all the people, were looking forward to this event. They didn't have the quick little Advent calendar like we have, which I love. You know, count down the 25 days of, on the calendar. In my house, you get a piece of chocolate every day you open it, which causes big fights on who gets to open it. You have, a, have to have a strict rotation in our house. Like, you really got to do that. Like, today's your day, then it's your day, like, you get to do it next week, you know, that type of thing. So for us, the Christmas season, you know, it's like Thanksgiving, and then it's like, here we go. Macy's parade, you see Santa at the end, now it's officially time to celebrate Christmas. Some of y'all jumped the gun or after Halloween, which that's another story for another time. We'll deal with you later. Uh, but that, but we, we, it's a quick kind of wait for us. It's a few-week countdown, and it's like, man, that went so quick. But for these people, we're talking generations and generations of looking forward to an event. And out of human nature, you would think that eventually they would say, it's probably never going to happen. Maybe it was just folklore. Maybe it was just a legend. Maybe our grandmothers meant well. They, they, they just didn't really know. Kind of kind of bless their hearts. Well, it's common in, in our culture to talk about what Christmas means to me. And I love those kind of interviews. You'll see a you know, country music, the CMA Christmas, and you'll see, you know, some like a Rockefeller Center Christmas special, and they'll interview celebrities and they'll say, here's what Christmas means to me. They talk about their family and their traditions and their favorite carols and their favorite cookies and all these type of things. They talk about family, 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 all these wonderful things, but what they're talking about and what we're usually talking about when we talk about what Christmas means to us, what we usually are referring to is December 25th, as in the celebration, the day, the season, the time leading up to it, the Christmas lights, the presents, all wonderful things, But what Mary's doing here is not helping us to see what the season means to us, even though that has a lot of warrant and I enjoy it very much. What she's trying to help us understand is what the coming of Christ actually means for us. Not just what Christmas means to us, what the coming of Jesus means for us. And we get like a history lesson in Hebrews of how this came about and all that these people went through and anticipated and looked forward to. Hebrews chapter 11, here's what we see. By faith, Abraham, who Mary mentioned, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out even though he did not know where he was going. So man has sinned against God, rebelled against him, we're separated from God because of our sins, and God being a gracious God and a merciful God, he did not leave us to be punished as our sins deserved. He made a promise to Abraham, to a man, that through his family, his lineage, that he was going to redeem a people for himself. That's the promise that he made, I haven't forgotten about you, that I'm going to give you another chance, that I'm going to redeem a people, and it's going to come through you. That's the original promise that was made to Abraham. We're told that by faith he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents as did Isaac, his son, Jacob, grandson, co-heirs of the same promise. So what made Abraham's faith able to sustain through all of this? Verse 10, he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Was he looking forward to an actual literal city, like with walls and and with actual city limits? Yes, but he was looking at something greater, a place that one day he'd be forever built by God. By faith, even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, received power to conceive offspring, even though she was past the age So she considered that the one who had promised was faithful. Since God had made a promise to Abraham and his descendants, she could have faith that promise was going to come true, that through her, a child was going to be born. He says, therefore, from one man, in fact, from one as good as dead, came offspring. Abraham was old, as numerous as the stars in the sky, and as innumerable as the grains of sand along the seashore. Well, who were those? Those? Who are the stars in the sky and the grains on the seashore? That's the church. That's us today who have received the promise that was given to this man and to his family. But he talks about these people who went before us that had this promise. He says, These all died in faith, although they had not received the things that were promised. But they saw them from a distance greeted them and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on earth. As in the ultimate fulfillment of the promise is not going to be here. Because if it says here that they died not having seen the promise, you would think that the logical conclusion would be, wait a second, did God lie to them? You just said earlier that God keeps his promises, isn't that kind of a contradiction? Well, that's a great question, and that's a fair assessment, but the promise in our minds always kind of, re, kind of resorts to the here and the now in the moment. This is a promise for the future, a promise that was for waiting. Now those who say such things make it clear they're seeking a homeland. If they were thinking about where they came from, they would have, a, they would have an opportunity to return, as in back to the world, away from God's promises. But they now, because they have the promise of God, They desire a better place than anything this world has to offer. That's a heavenly one. And therefore, because of their faith, God is not ashamed to be called their God as he's prepared a city for them. A promise. The children of Israel, Abraham's descendants, they were God's people. Chosen. Blessed. You could say highly favored. But all they ultimately had was a promise. They saw God do miraculous things on their behalf, absolutely, but all they ever had was a promise, and the truth is, it's actually all they ever needed. They never received the promise in the literal sense of the word, because they died, all these people, for generations without Christ having come yet. I love what the late British pastor, Martin Lloyd-Jones, says. He said, they received a promise of a promise. Like, I promise you that a promise is going to be fulfilled. It was a promise of a promise. In my human nature, that'd be hard to grab onto. That'd be hard to stay the course with. That'd be hard to be patient with. But he's always pointing them down the road to something else that God is with them and for them and faithful to his word. We're told this about those who have gone before us in the second part of Hebrews 11. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They died by the sword, it's all because of their faith. They wandered about in sheepskins and in goatskins, destitute, afflicted and mistreated. It says the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and on mountains, hiding in caves, holes in the ground. All these were approved through their faith, but once again they did not receive what was promised since God has provided something better for us so that they would not be made perfect without us. That God's preparing an ultimate place for all of his people to one day be with him through all eternity. That that's the big idea here, that even those who were martyred for their faith and treated as they were described, even though they were miserable, they could still look to something else and know that God was not done. That God is a promise keeper. That God did not promise them that these mistreatments on their their lives would stop. He promised them there's a place waiting for them. There's a home that one day they're going to go to. And because of that, they could endure. Because they looked to a promise. The promise of a promise. Now, be not mistaken, the promise was enough only if they remembered it. Now, oftentimes, they would rebel. And one of the reasons they would rebel is because they would forget the promise. They wanted the here and the now and the moment. They would build a golden calf themselves and worship it. And God would say things to them like, hey, you know that idol you built? You know like your hands actually built it, right? Like are you aware that you made eyes on it and it actually really can't see because it's like a statue? Do you all know that? Do you know that you actually put ears on it and it can't hear? Are you guys? Like, he would say that to them throughout the Bible. God's like, hey, y'all, like, Hello. Reminds me of Back to the Future, McFly, think, think. I mean, that, that's kind of what he's doing. He's saying, what, 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 are, what are you thinking here? Well, they wanted the here and the tangible and the now, forgetting God's promise, and something they could grab in the moment. That's human nature, but God's not okay with that because God wants us to trust him and believe that he is better and not believe the two lies we're so prone to believe that I mentioned so often here. The first lie is that there's more to be gained by disobeying God than there is to be gained by obeying him. The second lie is I have to go around God for all the things I'm looking for in my life, not actually to him for meaning and purpose and fulfillment. So throughout this story of the Old Testament, pages and pages and pages, and actually starting in January, we're going to go through the entire Bible in a year as a church. So we're actually going to do full like sermons on The book of Genesis, the book of Exodus, the book of Leviticus, and just keep going. One sermon per week for a book of the Bible, a big overview sermon, so we can understand all this storyline together. They were instructed as time went on because God showed mercy to them and allowed them not to be punished as their sins deserved. So they would take animals to the temple. Burnt offerings, blood of animals would be shed to provide a covering for their sin for a little while until the next year they had to come and do it again. And they couldn't even do it themselves. They had to present it to a priest. This is all done to remind them that, one, they're guilty before God. Two, that God is merciful. And because of that, a promise was coming. This is a foreshadow of one that would actually shed his blood for them once and for all as a sacrifice for their sins. The one day their sins wouldn't just be covered for a year, you know, for a little while, with the guilt still remaining in their lives, no one day would actually be forgiven because the Messiah would actually come to die for his people. So God is going to fulfill all this mercy that he has promised to Abraham and his seed forever. To quote Mary, that is what God is going to do. That the coming of this child is a fulfillment of the promise that was first made to the man named Abraham. Abraham and to his family. And Mary rejoices and says, God has been faithful to his word. I love this verse, Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For every one of God's promises is yes in him. It's a yes in Jesus. Therefore, though we, through him, we also say amen to the glory of God. But that's our response. Let it be so, let it be true. God, you are a great God. You have kept your word. You have sent Jesus to die for us. He has risen from the grave, proving once and for all that he is the exact one he claimed to be. I like to say that Easter is basically the proof that Christmas worked. This actually was true and was going to happen. So now us here who've already received the promise of Christ's coming, we get to live in the fulfillment of God's promises. We now look forward to our future home because Jesus made this world his home. We now look forward. We can anticipate. The people before us, they were looking to be delivered. Now we get to look forward to being delivered once and for all, when all things will be made new. See, Christmas is the celebration of what God has been doing throughout history, and that is reconciling a people to himself. John 1.14, and we're going to have a whole sermon on this on December 20th, on this verse the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That Jesus made this world his home so that we forever could one day have an actual home with him. So Christmas to me means a lot of things in terms of sentimental and fun and tradition and family. But spiritually, what is Christmas really actually about? Based on those words of celebration from Mary. The first thing is Christmas is about the cross, you can't have Christmas without a cross. That manger was occupied because one day a cross would be as well. Like that was the point. The point was not for the baby to stay in the manger. That baby would go on to live a sinless life that we could never live, die a death that we deserved, and then rise from the grave three days later, ascend into heaven, and one day will come back for his people. Christmas is about God's holiness. It's about his justice, and it's about his love. Like his holiness. Like we can't on our own be f- make up for the fact that we've sinned against God. Like God can't let sin go unpunished. His justice, he must punish sin, but in his love, it was Jesus instead of us. Christmas is about the cross. Second, Christmas is about God's glory, it's about God's glory. It's about God making his name great. When the angels appear to the shepherds, they don't say, hey, man is awesome. You guys are the best. He says, glory to God in the highest. Glory to God. Look what God has done. He has kept his word. He has kept his promise. He is redeeming his people. Y'all need to get on down to Bethlehem right now and go see it for yourselves. Like like Christ has been born. Only God will receive the glory for what only He can do, which is to save His people from their sins. Third, Christmas is about God's faithfulness. That's what we can see. Again, God keeps His promises, God keeps His word. So important to understand that. God is faithful to Himself. And because he's faithful to himself, he's faithful to his people. Promises were made and promises were kept. There's a a, a two-volume series by a man named Mark Dever that's a collection of his uh, overview sermons, books of the Bible, and the Old Testament volume is called Promises Made, and the New Testament volume is called Promises Kept. That's the point. That's what's happening here. Number four, Christmas really actually is about waiting. It's about waiting. Before Christ, again, they were waiting to be delivered. But now it reminds us that we are waiting for our ultimate deliverance where there'll be no more tears, no more pain. There'll be a, a place where, when this world is made new, there's no more racism, there's no more cancer, there's no more COVID. Woo! There's no more masks. There's no more confusion over who's right and who's wrong. There's no more political ads. It is a place that was as God first designed this world to be, in the Garden of Eden, which was in a perfect relationship with him, not broken by any of the stains and effects and scars of sin. Caroline Cobb said this, wrote this recently. For many, 2020 has felt like one long groan (laughs) Isn't that a great description? Between the pandemic, a struggling economy, the isolation of quarantine, online school, civil unrest, racial injustice, wildfires, hurricanes, a noisy election, a divisive public discourse. She says this year has reminded us again and again of our mortality our lack of control, and our collective brokenness. And she says, as 2020 comes to a close, we long, perhaps, like never before, for hope, love, joy, and peace. So maybe, just maybe, 2020 has primed us for the ache of Advent. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe for one of the first times we can actually identify with those who have gone before us who are waiting and waiting and waiting to one day be delivered. Maybe 2020's primed us. Others have had experiences in your life of tragedy that have primed you for it. Like, you know what it means to cry out for Christ to return and make all things new. Advent is a season set aside for waiting and watching, longing and looking for the Messiah. It's a reminder that because of God and his grace, we can endure. See, because if you're a believer, the miracle of miracles has already happened. God has forgiven your sins. Like, nothing in this world can top that. In Romans 8, Paul says that we know the whole creation has been groaning together and the pains of childbirth until now. Waiting, longing. And we too, he says, we groan inwardly as we eagerly wait for adoption the redemption of our bodies from this broken world. In 2 Corinthians 5, 4, Paul says, in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. In Titus, it says, we live godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's Titus two twelve through 14. And Caroline says this, and I love I just I just appreciate her a lot if we let it, 2020 can whet our appetite for the kingdom of God and for Jesus and her glorious king. That all we've seen, it can really whet our appetite to actually be with God, to live our lives with him. As we anticipate forever with him, now we live his lives for his glory in this moment, in this minute, and want others to be a part of it as well. To invite people who are longing and don't even realize it, that are filling their lives with everything you possibly could imagine to pass the time here on earth, when instead they could actually be living for the glory of God and his mission as dearly loved children. And since we have the truth of Christmas, since Mary's words that God has kept his promise to Abraham and his mercy, we can claim this from the very end of the Bible, close to it, in Revelation chapter 22, verse 20. He who testifies about these things says, yes, I am coming soon. And what is the reply of the people of God? Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Since we have been delivered, we now look towards our ultimate deliverance in Christ. If you don't know Jesus, will you trust in him? Will you repent of your sins and say, I understand that I can't save myself, I understand that Christmas is the story of God coming here. That I I, I couldn't ascend to God because of my sin, so he descended to me to rescue me, make me whole, and prepare a place for me. That where he is, one day I will also be. Christmas is definitely the time for Christians to celebrate, to give thanks, and also to wait, and to hope, and to pray for Jesus to come back and make all things new. And we can trust him that he will because he came the first time. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for the truth of Christmas, that Jesus Christ has come into the world to save sinners, that the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. So we're so grateful we can have a relationship with you, we can know you, we can call you Father, all because of what would happen after the baby came out of that manger and never sinned and died and rose again and ascended. And Lord, we have full confidence based on all those other truths, all those promises that you will come again. So in the meantime, let us be a faithful people who are quick to confess our sins and quick to wanna be part of our church and be with the people of God, to sing the praises of you, to worship your name together. Lord, let us have the, the love and also the boldness to tell others about your great promises. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. we're thankful that since we could not ascend, that Jesus descended to come here. That he just came and dwelled among us. What an amazing thing to think about. We're grateful for all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. And in the spirit of Advent, we will light our next candle uh, this Sunday as we look forward and anticipate Christmas coming. Plans and Tiffany Beecham, thank you for leading us in this today.